It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration makes the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Did you know the link between Pi and the Civil Rights Movement? No. <laughs> I know, it's kind no of No idea. Okay. Uh, I like cheesy. Okay, Georgia Gilmore, who founded a club to nowhere. It's an underground resistance group that cooked and sold meals, as well as baked goods to raise money for the transportation during the Montgomery bus boycott. Oh! Yeah, and apparently a pecan pie was Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite. So the club would sell pies and cookies and cakes and beauty salons. After digging a little bit about her, in October of 1955, Georgia boarded a bus and asked to enter and was asked to enter from the back. And because she, told, she was black. Because and she was black. Yeah. And she told the bus driver, you know, I'd already paid. paid. I can't see yeah. why. But she kind of collected herself and got off the bus, and he sped off. Well, that's the thing. It was very common, like we learned last yeah. week, it was very common for them to have to, un, you know, get off the bus, let the white people enter the bus, and then a lot of times the bus drivers would just take off. Take off, and yeah. we, Even though they had paid the same it's, fare. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So after that incident, she vowed never to ride the bus again. And, and two months later, Rosa Parks would be arrested, and that sparked okay. a movement. So Georgia. So she was back in. Back right there. Rosa Parks was what December. This is October. So she was October. Okay. And then uh, Georgia, with her love of cooking mm-hmm. and passion for food, decided to help fund the resistance. It became known as the Montgomery Bus Boycott. And so fast forward to today, uh, Nadine Nelson wanted to bring awareness to the culinary community of activism mm-hmm. and host a virtual event called Peace Through Pie on MLK Day. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I just love it. The idea of the pie. There's so many pies. Uh, pizza, empanadas, tamales, to name a few. But she so not necessarily the traditional right, just the, sweet. Exactly. Some of them are savory. She was just kind of feeling like America's been going through so much. Yeah, and we really a lot. Need unity. Yeah. And what's more perfect than that than food? Than food. I just bring people together. I love this to connection. Eat. Yeah. That's my feel-good story. I am always with pecan pie. I'm always like, some people say pecan and some people say, say pecan. pecan. And I know. so I'm I'm wondering what different parts of the country, how they pronounce it. Yeah. But I did not know that that was Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite pie. Yeah. I've never even had a slice. So now oh, that's I might have to favorite. try it. <laughs> we do that for Thanksgiving. Oh, fun fact. been watching Food Network for years. Uh, we started watching. I Do you love like? Food Network. Well, last year when I was in the hospital for an extended stay, we got totally obsessed with Chopped and even the Guy Fiery, oh, yeah. his grocery store oh, yeah. or something. But, yeah, we were Guy's Grocery game. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's it. Well, Chopped is one of our favorites, too. I mean, we like a lot of them. It's kind of funny because I'm not much of a cook and my husband is. But what, so chop, which that kind of surprises me about you that you don't like to cook. Yeah, I, I well. know. I'm the cleaner person. <laughs> I, I'm the designated cleaner, and he likes. He's always enjoyed cooking since yeah. college. He, yeah. So that's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. And we cook together on the weekend yeah. and freeze or whatever. Yeah. That's. Yeah. So <laughs> chop it features uh, four contestants, and their experiences range from home cook to chef. 
And they're giving that basket of mystery. Uh, and mystery stuff is crazy in there. Because some of it's like jello right. and super disgusting things that yeah. I don't even know how they can cook or with that. Or frosting on a cake. Yeah. And, but, but it's with like sweet with savory. It just, it's, the stuff doesn't mix. And I think that's part of what they, I, I mean, know, they do that intentionally. Yeah. But yeah. So. so, and then it's judged by celebrity chefs. And one of my favorites is Marcus Samuelson. I like his, he dresses always so cool, you know, I love his, you know, he dresses really fun and cool, and, but you notice that, you notice how someone, yeah, there's tons of style, and I enjoy his his commentary, and then recently I've been hearing about him in the news, he's been involved in feeding those most affected by COVID in New York, he had to shutter in, in his restaurant, Red Rooster, he's got 30 restaurants, restaurants, but he, uh, the one in Harlem, he had to shutter in, and that became the kitchen where he made um, these meals so he partnered with world central kitchen Hmm. they're like a husband and wife team Mm -hmm. and they their mission is to provide food to heal communities in times of crisis they've done a lot of work in um, like the hurricane okay a lot of a lot of natural disaster they've done a lot of food relief Mm -hmm. um but anyways the husband wife team okay yeah but um anyways Marcus and this and this team, they made over two hundred fifty thousand meals. Oh for, my goodness! For for people in need in New York. I can't. That's even. Wow. Yeah. I can't like, even wrap my head around that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've done some meals for the homeless, but maybe tops. I want to say per. You know, you're talking fifty to a hundred. Right. Definitely not. Right. Two hundred fifty thousand. Wow. Is pretty amazing. Very impressive. And, you know, I don't know if you know, he's, he was born in Ethiopia. And really sad when he was about a year old, him, his mother, and his sister all contracted tuberculosis, which was an epidemic at the mm-hmm. time. And then his mother walked 75 miles with, these, with his two kids. So I think his sister's about four, and he's about one Aww. to get to a hospital. So she was carrying him, probably. Yeah, carrying him. Yeah. I think his sister was Aww, walking. Oh, my God. It's really, I mean, it's really a miraculous. It just shows you what people do when they're desperate. Right, right. And then Marcus and his sister survived, um, but his mother did not. From the tuberculosis. From the tuberculosis, oh. yeah. And then shortly, like within a couple of years, civil war broke out in Ethiopia, and he got separated from his family, his dad. And so he ended up being put up for adoption uh, and being adopted by a Swedish couple, Anne-Marie and Lennart Samuelson. Mm. So then he left a little, you know, left a hut mm-hmm. in Ethiopia and then is, ended up in a fishing village in uh, Gothenburg, uh, Sweden, which is kind of interesting. Stark, like totally very contrast, yeah. Totally yeah. different. And he learned. Um, and this was when he was four? four yeah, okay. Yeah. And he learned yeah. uh, the fish from his adoptive mm. father. He learned his love of cooking from his grandmother, Helga. Uh, they'd make hamburger patties with onion and capers and pickled beets. And more of a patty, but here in the U.S. we make them into balls. Into Swedish Ikea. Meatballs. Yeah, is what everybody goes to Ikea yeah. for. Yeah, so Swedish meatballs. Yeah, so that, but that's mm. actually on his menu at Red Rooster, too. And his dad was just always after him to work hard, you mm-hmm. know, just on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked in restaurants as a teen and then ended up... I'm wondering what his adoptive father did for a living. I, I mean, I yeah, I always I go know. back to, I'm like, what instilled that in him yeah. to encourage that? that yeah, but that'd how, be something to look into. Yeah. I, I don't know. 
Um, but it kind of empowered him. He got attended the Culinary Institute there in Gothenburg, and then had a lot of apprenticeships in um, Austria and Switzerland. Hmm. And then left for the U.S. Mm-hmm. with only $300 in his pocket. What silly. year? What year do you think that was? Well, but, it was about. I, I mean, three hundred dollars no matter what year is well, going to be not a lot. I know. I think was, he must have been. Well, he's he's about fifty now, and so he was about so 22, 23 around when he did that. And he landed a job as a sous chef at the acclaimed restaurant Aquavie, which is pretty pretty famous restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then not soon after, not too long after that, the, the head chef died unexpectedly, and he took over, mm. where he received a three-star review from the New York Times, which is the best, and then later, 2008... It's good to know, because I hear three stars, and I think three out of five is not... That's like... Mediocre. Really incredible. But, okay. Yeah, and then he partnered again with the owner of Aquavit to open Mercado 55, which featured his childhood dishes inspired from Africa okay. and the Caribbean. Fortunately, that restaurant never took off and, oh. and failed within a year. In New York. In New York. But it was kind of a, it was crushing this pivotal moment for Marcus because it kind of prepared him for Red Rooster, which mm-hmm. opened in 2010. And I found this so fascinating. He spent seven years studying black history and the community and just the diversity of Harlem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, before he, he opened his before restaurant? Before he opened his restaurant. Okay. He learned about the Great Migration, where it's millions of African Americans moved from the South to New York. Hmm. Yeah, and he, he even has it like in uh, like either on a sign or in his menu that that Southern food coming up north. That's what we celebrate at Red Rooster, mm-hmm. where the menu features soul food classics such as hot honey fried chicken, shrimp with grits. The menu also includes inspired items by many immigrants who settled in Harlem. Uh, dishes like Caribbean, Italian, Swedish, among others. Yeah, I have to say, when when yeah. you told me you were going to do them, I had to look up the Red Rooster Harlem, and I'm I'm not a big foodie just because I worry about the you know whatever I worry right. about the calories or, or I don't know, but I'm I'm not a big I I like food, but I also am very conscious of what's going in it. But I did love that he's local. He, you know, works with local purveyors, local farmers. And on his menu, he had everything from charred, glazed cauliflower to chicken and waffles. So, like, it's very diverse. But it did, I mean, it made my mouth water. So, he's definitely done his homework with what people want. Because even me reading that from the West Coast, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm ready to make a trip out east. Not just because of COVID, but go visit his restaurant. So the other show he's on, I've not seen this one, but I is uh, No Passport Required. It's on PBS. Oh, okay. So it's, it sounds quite a travel. Love PBS. Yeah. And then he's got a new book out called The Rise, which I got right here. It's just a beautiful book. I know. Um, I had to put my hand sanitizer on just to open it because I see what you're saying about his... Um, fashion. Yeah. I think that's so super cool. Well, the rise, it celebrates black cooks who have influenced American food. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only I think is that visually pleasing, it talks about the origins and history of black cooking. Marcus also talks about how black cooking has been underrepresented mm-hmm. in America. And this book celebrates how black cooking is today. And I love how he highlights a current chef and then... 
their signature dish. Yeah, with a picture. With a picture. I, well, not only a picture of the dish, but a picture of, of the, the chef right. and what they're known for. So and their inspiration. Yeah. 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 I love it. And then at the front there, in his author notes, I, I, I wrote this down because I just loved how he, how he worded this. Uh, he says, we are the black food community, black chefs, black servers, black bartenders, black food writers, black culinary historians, black recipe developers. Our food stems from challenged communities and challenged mm. times. Mm-hmm. It, com- it comprises enslavement poverty and war yet our food has soul and has inspired and fed many we will rise we will shine we are survivors i love that that is taking stuff that might have been well not might have was terrible and turned it into something i mean this book is beautiful the pictures are just gorgeous the meals are the dishes are just amazing once again my mouth is watering yeah, I'm going to end up giving that to my husband, I think, for <laughs> his birthday. Which uh, he will love. This, He'll this love. Sunday. How could so you that's... not like that? And The Rise. I think that's a very fitting title, title for it because yeah. it's a, I mean, it, it is time for them to rise. They've been here as long as we've been here. Right. So why should we not be enjoying their Just celebrating? Yeah. yeah. So just a bit more, uh, you know, in honor of Black History Month, uh, Marcus is partnering with Uber Eats to donate 250000 to Marcus Samuelson's Black Businesses Matter matching fund. And then in addition to this additional funds during the month of February, for every order purchased from a Black-owned restaurant, Ubers will donate $1 to wow. this fund. So I just love For a that. guy that had $300 in his pocket yeah. to be able to... Offer $250,000 and to make those 250000 meals, just amazing. Oh, and you see the work ethic from his adoptive father. I, what I also love in your story is that probably grew up in Sweden, yet he goes back to his black roots, which I think is very inspiring that he's finding the meals and the dishes of his heritage. I love that he is bringing people together with with food because we all need food, obviously, but he's also teaching us something about his heritage and his culture, and I just think that's, I just love it. Super impressive that at 24, this guy got the three-star review from the New York Times because I, I don't, at 24, I definitely was not <laughs> getting those accolades but um that is the highest wow that's incredible yeah um and then in 2003 he got the james beard foundation culinary arts best chef in new york so i can't imagine how many people he was up against but super impressive i was reading the the kitchen tool he can't live without do you have any idea you have no idea Cast iron pan, oh. which I think you need to add to that list. To, you'll give the cookbook and the Yay. cast iron pan to Ryan since he's That's the cook. <laughs> since he's the cook in the family, but cast, I I have not ever been able to master the cast iron pan. But this inspires me to to give it another shot. The dish I was reading that he will always order out and never prepare on his own. What general shows chicken. Oh. Which I totally get, cause yeah. I, but I mean, I try to do my, my faux version of it, but it's never the same as ordering out. I did have to look up, so he, 
for President Obama, he cooked for the Indian Prime Minister, and I was so curious with the the meal that he prepared because I knew that Indians are vegetarian. The Prime Minister, I'm totally going to slaughter his name, but Mary Holman Singh, when he visited the White House, the menu that Marcus Samuelson chose was red lentil soup, roasted potato dumplings, which both of those sound super yum, and green curry prawns. I know prawns are not vegetarian, but he probably was trying to keep with, uh, you know, just trying to please everyone. And I read that a lot of the fresh items were from the White House garden. Oh, cool. Super cool. Yeah. So, um, but talk about stressful. Yeah, he... To cook for not only President Obama, but the Prime Minister of India. Funny you say that, because I had read that he called his um, mother. (laughs) I hope that someday my boys call me and ask me for advice. So he's like talking to her, and she's like, remember, you're representing the Samuelson name. You know, it's kind of like a wake-up call, get the job done. Yeah. You know, I love that. Which will probably be how I speak with my boys, because I am very straightforward. I just, you know, in my kind of reading about him, I when he was younger, he, he really thought he was going to be a professional soccer player. And had really, that's hmm. what he thought of himself. You know, and then at the same time, he kind of was developing this love of food and cooking um, with his... Which is probably good that he's an athlete so that he can burn off the calories so that he can eat the food that he has. But, huh, I wonder at what age he decided he was not. I mean, I know a lot of. High school. Okay. High school. Where he realized. He realized, yeah. Probably not. But I thought that was kind of interesting. He's also married to an Ethiopian mom. I saw that. A gorgeous. Yeah. They've got a son, Zion. He's, I think, five now. I was, uh, so with this Red Rooster Harlem, I told you that I, in looking up the menu, everything, I was like, okay, definitely, that is on my bucket list to go visit. I loved that when he, um, there were certain news stories when he was talking about it, and he wanted to celebrate local artists and local musicians and, like, culinary talents. I just, I loved that it wasn't all about him. When he opened this place, it was about bringing the community together. And I think even with his 250,000 meals and even with his $250,000 toward you matching, right. I think he is just such an inspiration at just bringing people together. And for him, it's around food. But for all of us, we have different things that we bring people together. But the research that he did to... Open up this restaurant. I think you said like seven years, yeah. which I, t- I totally <laughs> get with all of this because he, you know, wanted to celebrate local local artists and musicians and culinary talents that were uh, local, which I I love. I think we need to bring more of that around the world with just local purveyors. But he. Um, he named it after legendary speakeasy that was there. Oh, I didn't know that. So, apparently, in that area, in that neighborhood, people had gone there to listen to Adam Clayton, Powell Jr., uh, Nat King Cole. Oh, very cool, yeah. And uh, James Baldwin, which it, it was a big jazz. Thing. 
yeah, jazz venue. But And so he wanted to honor the history of the building, but also wanted to bring like a new freshness and a new vibe to it, but with the history, which I totally love. And like I said, he has everything from glazed cauliflower to chicken waffles. So I think he's he's reaching a lot of people, definitely. I love that he just continually gives back. You know, not only with the COVID relief, with the 250,000 meals, but he is also involved in, it's called Career, or CCAP, which is Career Through Culinary Arts Program. It's a national nonprofit that okay. educates and guides un, unserved high schoolers towards a successful career in culinary. Huh. So, so he's got involvement there, and he's also a UNICEF ambassador. Okay. Which I just, you know, I just love that they advocate, advocate uh, and leverage resources for, for children. I think the biggest thing I love about him is not only his thing is heritage and his culture to, to make people rise, just like his cookbook, um, but that he is also helping people. He, he doesn't have to do any of that. I mean, he's That's married so to a model. Impressive. He has all the money he could he he doesn't have to work another day in his life, but he is really definitely trying to pay it forward and definitely making a difference with COVID, let alone trying to encourage people to get back to their roots and come together around the table and comfort so, food. So and yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's I just, really, it's really, it just feels like it's, it's a, I love the other aspect of it as far as... So all-inclusive. Yeah. It's just... All of it. He just models just a a great human. Research on uh, Marcus Samuelson has really prompted me to check out some local restaurants here in Port- Portland. And I saw that on Queen TV um, for Black History Month, they have a list of 20. And I'm thinking for restaurants my hus- to go, yeah, restaurants yeah. to go check out. So for my husband's birthday this Sunday, I'm thinking we'll pick one of those and get that's some takeout. So, awesome. so get some takeout, get the cast iron pan, because that's his favorite tool, and give him the cookbook. Yeah. I think that's great. When you were talking about Marcus Samuelson and his culinary talents and how he's using that for the community to better them, I was inspired to just kind of look up happy stories related to people and food. And the one that came up, I love this, even though KFC is definitely, do not take Ryan to KFC this weekend for his birthday. (laughs) But (laughs) comfort food, comfort food. That can be with when you're celebrating with the kids. But this man, Jason Schweitzer in Canada, Toronto, uh, Canada, was, since he was five, he kept visiting this KFC, and he had a favorite person that would help him with his orders, and he recently, during COVID, had experienced, or witnessed, I guess, a um, customer berating her, and I think it just really disturbed him, so he decided that because she's always had such a positive outlook and always been funny and made jokes and just been very personable with him he wanted to do something for her so he ended up she's 70 by the way working at KFC and he wanted to make her day and he started a 
I, I, not GoFundMe, but something similar to that, to try to raise money for her. And so far, he's up to like $25,000. Oh. His goal is $30,000, but he's in a matter of days, he had raised $25,000 for this woman. And I just think it's so, I, I know the word inspiring is overused, especially on my behalf, but for, I think it's, to me, it just makes me feel good that this young man growing up from five years old to now he's an adult and she's in her, she's 70, to raise this money for her to live just so that she is a little more comfortable and and knows that, that she's an amazing person and made a difference in his life. I just love, I love the story, even though it's probably not the culinary story of Marcus Samuelson, but it's, food but it's still, bringing it's still food, bringing people together and you know, he has really good memories with this woman at KFC. I think a lot, it, it kind of sounded like they would stop by Sunday after church type of thing. And, and she would always have a funny, you know, quip or whatever. She made an impression on his yeah, life. And I love, I'm you, that's what I'm yeah. walking away thinking, wow, this, these people in your lives and small places and other, you know, how they have an impact. And you don't know that. But Until someone, and, and not everything has to be raising, you know, a financial thing like this, but you don't know, yes, you don't know the impact that you're making just by being a kind and decent human, like this Amelia was for his childhood going to KFC and just having the good memories that he had, and then for him to witness that and then be like, how can I make her day, and wow. $25,000 would totally make someone's day to know that, oh, you know what, your your impact has, this is what it's meant to me. So I just, I found that super inspiring, even though it's not, it's definitely not the caliber of Marcus Samuelson, but one person right. making a huge difference in exactly. someone else's life. Like and subscribe. Follow Transgential Inspiration on Facebook and Instagram.